I'm Misty Winkler, and you're listening to the Convivial Homeschool Audio Blog, Episode 56. Welcome to the Convivial Homeschool Audio Blog, short but meaty focus sessions to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschooling mom. As mother teachers, what we most need is an educational philosophy. Actually, we all have one, but is it a good one? Season 10 will be taken from my series where I've been blogging through the great tradition, classical readings about what it means to be an educated person. After all, learning more about ourselves and our job and our students is key to consistency and sanity over the long haul. Let's dig in. The Reason for Education In 2015, my word of the year was virtue. Talk about an overwhelming word of the year. In that post, I wrote, Virtue is the goal of classical education which is my day job as a homeschooling mother. The goal isn't the math lesson. The goal is growing the person doing the math lesson. Virtue is not only knowing Christ, but acting like it. If we know Christ, we must act in accordance with him. Virtue is becoming Christ-like. Virtue is putting into practice what we know. So, say I know I need to exercise or eat right to be healthy and strong and energetic— and slimmer would also be nice, that doesn't help unless I act on that knowledge. I know what I need to do to maintain a reasonably clean home, but I still have to do it for it to happen. I know where to put my keys so that I won't lose them, but unless I do put them there every time, I will still lose those keys. I continued on in that post. I've got a lot of the knowing, and it's time for some doing. It's not busy work doing or nose to the grindstone doing. It's doing that is grounded in knowing. It's intentional, directional, purposeful, decided doing. Taking what I know and living it out more and more. It was a good little reminder word to keep in the back of my mind for a year, and it did help give me direction and clarity at points. But it's also not something that one thinks about and tries for a year and then moves on. I thought about making it my word of the year again in 2016 because, after all, it really is a word that's the focus of a lifetime, not a year. Though I chose a different word for that year, virtue is still a key concept not only for me but for anyone interested in classical education. The one thread that strings through all the classical educators, from Perrin to Plato, is that education's aim is virtue. Not a diploma, not a job, not a stack of accomplishments. Our children, and even ourselves, should be better people inherently because of the education we received, no matter what circumstances or results come afterwards. Education is for the soul. So, beginning in 2016 and going on for I don't know how long, I'm weaving both virtue and consistency together and reading slowly through and blogging through the book, The Great Tradition, Classical Readings on What It Means to Be an Educated Human Being, edited by Richard Gamble. It had been on my shelf for at least five years, maybe seven, before 2016, and that was the year that I finally dug in. The Great Tradition is a collection of writings about education from Plato to the modern era, the writings that have informed the development of Western civilization and classical education. Education makes humans more fully human. 
As the subtitle of the book suggests, the great tradition begins with an introduction on what education is in the first place, summarizing that thread of virtue. Quote, the real essence of education is that it enables men to reach the true aim of their lives. Werner Jaeger quoted in the great tradition, page three. And the true aim of our lives is not a particular kind of job or a particular kind of income level or a particular family size or any other circumstantial particular. The true aim is the chief end, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We will enjoy God more the more we know of him and the world he has made. We will glorify him more the more we learn, if our learning glorifies God instead of the economy or ourselves. As St. Irenaeus has said, the glory of God is the man fully alive. So what does this mean for us? One, education doesn't end at graduation. And if that's true, that means that it hasn't ended even for us, mothers with diapers to change and dinners to make. We might not be able to enroll in courses or spend hours studying, but if learning is a lifelong pursuit, then we have to show our kids that it is and not just tell them that it is. Education must be built on the bedrock of sound theology. Christianity is absolute truth. It is true whether one believes it or not. God made the world, he made man, and he made both a certain way and for certain ends. To ignore that is to miss the point and mess up any application. To prepare a person for his true aim, we must prepare him to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Anything that falls short of that sells us short. Yes, this means that classical Christian education is redundant. A secular classical liberal arts education will be shallow and leave the student hunting for ultimate meaning, which is not a bad place to be if you don't know truth. Secular liberal arts is a better preparation for the gospel than secular entertainment. However, education is not neutral, not by a long shot. It cuts to the very heart of what it means to be human, And we can't answer that, nor educate, without knowing what humans are and what they are meant to be. Three, education has to be about the person, not about the syllabus. A classical education never has been about a particular book list or a particular set of practices. It would be simpler if it were, but it wouldn't be classical. That is, it wouldn't be in keeping with the stream of Western civilization. We must look to the person or persons, in front of us, not to the checklist or book list. What does this person need to reach his or her true aim? Goodness, what do I need to reach my true aim? How can we all together, as fellows on this journey, better reach our aim? From this perspective, education can be a joint activity of the student and the teacher, of the child and the parent. None of us has ever perfectly reached our true aim. We all continue down the path, looking up to those who have gone before us and reaching back to help those coming up behind us. With this model, I'm not the administrator lording my syllabus and checklist over my underlings who must put in their time until I declare them graduated, at which time they shall be free. No, this is a pursuit that they are only beginning, but that even I am still undertaking. I must be leading the way, not cracking the whip. I must keep my eye on each one as a human being being equipped for life, rather than keeping an eye on college requirements. Not that we shouldn't know about such things, 
but we must know that they are merely a bureaucratic hoop to jump through and not the actual litmus test of our success or failure. There are many other truths that we could extrapolate from this one little quote, but these are the three that I'm pulling out today. I'd love for you to share any other implication that you draw from this quote or your thoughts from this episode. You can leave a comment at simplyconvivial.com slash audio and look for episode 56. And now it's time for this season's Simple Sanity Saver, Teaching Shakespeare. Shakespeare can be an intimidating subject to introduce. Isn't the language archaic? And doesn't high quality mean high difficulty? Actually, the language is not that difficult when it's read, that is, interpreted by an experienced reader. The profound themes within plots were created not as pure art, but also to entertain the masses. Shakespeare was the hot movie in his day, and he can still be enjoyed that way today. You don't have to wait for high school to do Shakespeare with your kids, and you don't need to be homeschooling to study Shakespeare together. If you do any reading aloud or movie watching together, you can do Shakespeare together. Shakespeare was written in order to be seen, scripted in order to be performed. Shakespeare wrote popular entertainment, not philosophical treatise. We can draw out deep themes and discuss grand philosophy using monologues and plots that we find in Shakespeare, but we should never study Shakespeare to the exclusion of simply enjoying the fun of Shakespeare. Shakespeare was meant to be fun. I believe that Shakespeare, the greatest artist whose medium was the English language, can and should be introduced to children. The deep discussions about betrayal, cowardice, truth, love, and piety can wait for high school, but the enjoyment of the plots, the characters, and the language does not have to wait. Introducing children to the world of the plays will help them feel more at home and navigate those deeper waters later in a more knowledgeable and understanding way because they'll already know the lay of the land. Over the rest of the season, I'll be sharing my five steps, one step per week, for how we study Shakespeare. Hop on over to simplyconvivial.com slash audio and click on the season 10 link where you'll find a resource page that you can receive with all the memory sheets and resources that we have used over the years as we've learned to enjoy Shakespeare together. That's simplyconvivial.com slash audio and look for season 10. Thank you for listening to the Convivial Homeschool audio blog. At simplyconvivial.com slash audio, you can find all the episodes, any download links, and also sign up to get an email whenever a new episode comes out. I always appreciate your reviews also and Facebook shares. Education starts with humility. So let's repent, rejoice, repeat. <laughs>